Thanks for being out this morning. Um, the kids noted that uh, on the way to services today, how few cars were on the road, which is ironic, isn't it, that the religious world that marks this as the eve before Christ's birth, and uh, they don't have any intention to worship him on this day, it seems, which is, is sad. Kids, I know your parents have told you what the Bible says about Christ's birth and the fact that we don't know when it was and that we weren't instructed to celebrate it. And so along the lines of what we're talking about on Wednesday nights, we worship the way that God told us to worship by his authority. And so we don't have any special commemoration of Christ's birth. We're very thankful that he was born, but no special com uh, uh, commemoration of that. And so we're thankful that we're able to be together today to worship God and remember him and his sacrifice that he made for us on the cross. Well, the Bible is clear that we need to be living in such a way that brings glory to God. Isaiah chapter 43 verse 7 tells us we were created for this purpose in order to bring glory to God. Isaiah 43 verse 7, Everyone who is called by my name, whom I have created for my glory, I have formed him, yes, I have made him. We are created for God's glory. And he deserves all the glory that we can give him. In Romans chapter 11 verse 36, Romans 11 verse 36, For of him and through him and to him all th are all things, to whom be glory forever. Amen. All glory belongs to God. And He deserves all that we can give Him. And as a result, we should do as Joseph, the verse Joseph read for us in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31 says, Therefore, whether you eat or drink, or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. We were created for this purpose, for His glory. He deserves glory. And therefore, all that we do should be for His glory. And it's hard to deny this fact. And there are very few, I think, in the religious world who would argue that. In the religious world today that are doing things, all manner of things. Things that they've invented and drummed up and created for themselves. And they're doing that and they're claiming they're doing it for God's glory. And we need to ask the question, are they? I saw this week a cowboy church down in Texas who sponsors rodeos with cash payouts. No doubt they would say they're doing that to the glory of God. Are these various religious activities that people are doing today really to the glory of God? We need to ask that question. And it's not just a question for others. It's a question for us. Are we doing what it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31? Are we living and acting in a way that all that we do brings glory to God? If so, how do we know? How do we know that we're doing what we do to the glory of God? I want to tell you, doing things to the glory of God and bringing glory to God means that we have to honor God for who He is. We have to be honoring God for who He is. And it should be easy to give glory to God and live in a way that brings glory to Him because, after all, He's God. And it should be easy to bring glory to Him. He's entitled to our glory. Revelation chapter 4, verse 1. Revelation chapter 4, verse 1. You're worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will they exist 
and were created. If for no other reason than the fact that God created the world and created us, we ought to understand then He's worthy to be glorified. But it's easy, I think, to get used to God. Get used to how wonderful He is. Back when I was in college, living in the dorms, I had to go to the laundromat. And we had a laundromat. Our, our dorms were set up in a, in a building like a, it was a square, and the inside of that was hollow. And in the middle of that, there was a building. That's where the laundromat was. And so you could take your dirty clothes. You'd have had a dirty clothes bag or whatever, and you'd have to hike it down there to that building. And you'd have to get in line. Those, those washers and dryers were pretty high demand. And there were certain times of the day you go down there, and you just there was no opening. I got to where... Uh, I learned that not many college kids were interested in getting up early on Sunday morning, and so I would get up early on Sunday morning, getting ready to worship, and I'd go down and do my laundry then. It was a pain, and, and you had to fight for that. It was, it was not convenient. I remember how incredible it was when I moved out of the dorms and into an apartment, and we had our own washer and dryer, and I could do my laundry whenever I wanted to. And I didn't have to wait in line for that. I didn't have to, to tote my laundry to another place. It was so nice to have a washer and dryer. I try to remind myself of how nice it is to have a washer and dryer when I have to do the laundry. But you know, over time, I get used to that, and I take it for granted. I'm afraid it's easy for us to do that with God. I'm afraid that we get used to Him. We get used to His power and His might and His awesomeness. We just get comfortable with that. Can you imagine with me for a minute, what if you've been blind from birth? What if you've never seen the light of day? It's been dark your whole life. And all of a sudden, let's say this afternoon, all of a sudden a light comes on and you can see the world that we live in. Don't you imagine that you would be amazed? You'd look at those towering trees and the beautiful creation of the trees and the plants in this world. You'd see the birds flying around in the air. You'd see the beautiful sun and the light from the sun. I don't know if you saw the sunrise this morning, but it was beautiful. You'd see that and I imagine your mouth would be wide open all day long. And then when the sun goes down tonight and you see the beautiful sunset and then you see the moon and the stars come out, you would just be amazed and astonished at the world that God created and He did it all by speaking. You'd heard this all your life. You couldn't read it, but you'd heard it. That God had spoken this to existence. But now today, for the first time in your life, you'd seen it. Don't you think you'd be amazed? We're not too amazed by that, though, sometimes, are we? We take it for granted. We need to understand the God that we serve and how much glory He deserves because He created all these things. By your power, you created all these things. They exist and were created by His power. God deserves all the glory that we can give Him. In Psalm 19, verse 1, Psalm 19, verse 1, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament shows His handiwork. Day unto day utters speech, and night unto night reveals knowledge. God deserves the glory that we can give Him because of His creation. His creation is screaming that He deserves glory. In Romans chapter 11, verse 36, 
Romans chapter 11, verse 36. For of him and through him and to him are all things, to whom be glory forever. Amen. God deserves our glory because of who he is, if for nothing else. And can we stop for just a minute to talk about how we talk about God and how we use his name? You know, there are a lot of atheists and there are a lot of agnostics who use God's name in vain and they use it flippantly, and that's to be understood. But sadly, there are a lot of people who profess to be believers in God, who profess to be Christians, who use God's name in vain. They use it flippantly. They use abbreviations for using it flippantly, like OMG, all the time. It is the way you express excitement, or is the way you express terror, or the way you express any emotion is to throw God's name out there flippantly and use it irreverently. And when we do that, we're not glorifying God. We need to glorify Him. We need to be in awe of Him. And we need to honor Him for who He is. We need to do all to the glory of God. But furthermore, I want to tell you that living to the glory of God and bringing glory to God means that we're going to submit to His authority. We're going to submit to His authority. You know, there aren't a lot of people in the religious world who would argue with that first point, that we need to honor God a little free is. But when it gets down to this idea of submitting to His authority, that's where there starts to be a little friction and a little resistance. But I want to tell you, the Scriptures are clear. That if we're going to honor God and we're going to give Him the glory, then that means inherently that we've got to do what He said to do. Notice what God said when Nadab and Abihu disobeyed Him. When Nadab and Abihu had been given instructions from God on how they needed to behave, and when they didn't do that, notice what God said about that. In Leviticus chapter 10, beginning of verse 1, Then Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron, each took his censer and put fire in it, put incense on it and offered profane fire before the Lord, which he had not commanded them. So fire went out from the Lord and devoured them, and they died before the Lord. And Moses said to Aaron, This is what the Lord spoke, saying, By those who come near me I must be regarded as holy, and before all the people I must be glorified. So Aaron held his peace. God said, I've got to be glorified before all the people. And what's the implication of that? That when Nadab and Abihu disobeyed him, they failed to glorify God. When they heard what God wanted and they said, nah, we got a better idea, they disrespected God, they did not honor him, and they did not give him the glory that he deserved. Giving God the glory, doing all things to God's glory, means we're going to submit to his authority in every aspect of our life. Why doesn't it give God glory when we don't obey him? I'm going to tell you, what does it say about God and our impression of Him when we don't do what He says? What does it say about how we regard God when we think we know better? Yeah, God said it to do it this way, but I really think it would be better if we did it this way. God wants me to live this way, but I don't want to live this way. I think it's better to live this way. What does that say about God? Does that glorify Him or does that bring Him down? When we don't care about what God wants, and we instead do what we want, does that glorify God? No, it doesn't, does it? It says we don't need His guidance. It says we don't know better. It says we're more important. Imagine you were showing someone how to do something that they've never done before. 
You were giving someone some instruction. You said, okay, this is how you need to do it. You need to do it this way, and then you need to do that. And when you got done with it, the person you were trying to coach and give instruction to disregarded that completely and did it their way. How would it make you feel? You wouldn't feel honored, would you? And it is that way with God when God says, I want you to do it this way. And we say, no, I want to do it that way. We're not glorifying God. Nadab and Abihu did not glorify God. When we obey God, we are glorifying Him. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 11. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 11. If anyone speaks, let him speak as the oracles of God. If anyone ministers, let him do it as with the ability which God supplies, that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belong the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. The way that we live will bring glory to God, but how will it bring that glory? It'll by, do, by doing things like God said, by speaking as the oracles of God, by doing what God wants us to do with the ability that He's given us. That brings glory to God. I can't just make it up myself. I can't just live any way that I want and say, oh, this is to the glory of God. No, it has to be done by His authority. That's how I bring glory to Him. We bring glory to God by living in the way that He's instructed us to live. Notice also in what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7, verse, or Matthew chapter 5, beginning of verse 14. Matthew 5, beginning of verse 14. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand. And it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. The way that I live, the good works that I do, what does it do? It brings glory to God. Brings glory to God by the way that I live. When others see me living like God directs me to live, that causes them to glorify God. And I'm not going to be, by the way, bringing any glory to God if I live like everyone else. If I live like everyone else around me, if I lower my standards to the standards of the world, if I lower my expectations of myself to what everyone else around me expects me to be, I'm not going to be a light I'm not going to be any different than the world. And I'm certainly not going to bring glory to God. It is only when I live to the standard that God expects of me by submitting to His authority and His instructions in my life, then I'm different than the world, and then I can bring glory to God. Jesus said it this way also in John chapter 15, verse 8. In John chapter 15, verse 8, "...by this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit." so you will be my disciples. You see, God is glorified when I live like He wants me to live, bearing fruit. And bearing fruit isn't anything that I just want to tack on it and say, well, here's fruit. You know, I, I lied and I cheated and I stole today. There's fruit and God's going to be glorified. No, the fruit has to be in the direction of His Word. What His Word has specified, Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. You see, by submitting to what the Spirit directs, of what God's Word directs, by the authority that He's given me, and the instructions He's given me on how I need to live my life, then I bear fruit. 
And when I bear fruit, then I bring glory to God. And when I bear fruit, I'm the light that God wants me to be. And that others will see how I'm living and they will glorify God. You see that glorifying God means I've got to submit to His authority. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God and you're not your own? For we, you were bought with, at a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. And that means not your own. Therefore glorify God. You're not your own. That means you don't get to make up the rules, does it? You're not your own. You're to be in submission to God. You're not your own. You don't get to decide how you live. You were purchased. God purchased you. Therefore, you belong to Him. Therefore, you need to submit to His authority. And if you will do that, you'll bring glory to God. Bringing glory to God means we submit to His authority. I'll tell you something else. Bringing glory to God means that we're not going to take the glory for ourselves. If we know who God is and we're willing to submit to His authority, we must also be willing to not take the glory that may come from us living for God for ourselves. We can't take glory for ourselves if we're giving it to God. The irony is, though, because of who God is, and how abundantly He blesses us, many times we're tempted to take glory for ourselves. Taking glory for ourselves. Beginning to think that we're responsible for the things that we enjoy. Beginning to think that we're responsible for how we live. That, well, I'm living this way and look at me how wonderful it is when it's God who told us to live this way. Notice the attitude that Nebuchadnezzar had in Daniel chapter 4. Daniel chapter 4. Look at beginning of verse 29. And at the end of 12 months, he was walking about, that's his Nebuchadnezzar, the royal palace of Babylon. The king spoke saying, is, this, is not this great Babylon that I have built for a royal dwelling by my mighty power and for the honor of my majesty? While the word was still in the king's mouth, a voice fell from heaven. King Nebuchadnezzar, to you it is spoken. The king has, kingdom has departed from you. Are we not guilty of this? Do we not walk around our life and think to ourselves, what a wonderful life that I've created for myself? Maybe walk around your house, maybe drive up to your house from the road and look at your house and say, what a wonderful house I've provided for myself and my family. Maybe look at your bank account Maybe look at your retirement accounts and look at that number and say, what a wonderful number that I have created for myself and my family. Maybe look at your kids and your family and say, what a wonderful family that I've created for myself with perfectly educated and well-behaved kids and a beautiful family that I've created for myself. Can we be like Nebuchadnezzar? And look at ourselves and want to pat ourselves on the back. What a wonderful job that I have done. Am I not doing what Nebuchadnezzar did? Taking the glory for myself? And I want to tell you, just as disgusting as it was to God that Nebuchadnezzar had that attitude, he's just as disgusted with me, I believe, if I have that attitude. 
Look at my career. Look at my finances. Look at my possessions. On and on it goes. Our pride is brought up, and we begin to take the glory for ourselves. Herod was guilty of this. You remember in Acts chapter 12, verse 21, Herod gives a speech, and he's quite uh, oratorical and really waxes eloquent. And, or maybe he doesn't. Maybe he's just being flattered. But whatever it was, it went to his head. And notice what God thought about it in Acts chapter 12, verse 21. So on a day set, a set day, Herod arrayed in royal apparel, sat on his throne and gave an oration to them. And the people kept shouting, the voice of a God and not of a man. Boy, Herod loved that. Verse 23, then immediately an angel of the Lord struck him because he did not give glory to God and he was eaten by worms and died. Herod let it go to his head. Have we been guilty of letting it go to our head? Have we been guilty of thinking that we're great? Have we been guilty of elevating our pride and not giving God the glory for what we enjoy? We can do this. We can do this and it will, pro, it will manifest itself maybe by some of the bragging that we do and some of the boasting that we do. Whether that be uh, overtly or covertly, somehow trying to get the attention on us of what we have been able to do. We need to be assured that God will not be happy. God gives us the ability to do all that we can do. In Acts chapter 17, verse 28... In Acts chapter 17, verse 28, For in Him we live and move and have our being, as also some of your own poets have said, for we are His offspring. In God we live and move and have our being. Whatever I'm able to do in this life is because God gave me the ability to do it. And I want to tell you that if I take the glory for myself, then I'm just as wrong as I can be. God is the one who gave me this ability. I could very well have been a disabled person who had no capability of doing anything at all. But God gave me the ability to do the things I can do. And I need to give Him the glory. Not become proud, not become boastful, not take the glory for myself. Finally, this morning, that bringing glory to God means that we will one day be glorified ourselves. If we'll live like we should, in such a way that brings glory to God, He has promised us that He will glorify us on that day. In Colossians chapter 3, Colossians chapter 3, verse 1. If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, which were, where Christ is, setting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above and not on things on the earth. For you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with Him glory. There's going to come a time where if we will follow God's instructions for us, if we'll live like we should live, giving Him the glory in all that we do, there will come a time when we will be glorified as well. Romans chapter 2 verse 6 beginning. Romans chapter 2 verse 6, who will render to each according to his deeds, eternal life to those who by patient continuance in doing good seek for glory, honor, and immortality. But to those who are self-seeking and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, indignation, indignation and wrath, tribulation and anguish on every soul of man who does evil, of the Jew first and also of the Greek. But glory, 
honor and peace to everyone who works what is good, to the Jew first and also to the Greek, for there's no partiality with God. Glory is awaiting those who put their trust in God and serve Him, who humbly serve Him in this life day by day, doing what He wants them to do by submitting to His authority because they understand who God is. They're going to submit to His instruction in their life. They're not going to take the glory for themselves. One day, we will be glorified. And what a wonderful thing it will be. The question for us this morning to consider is, are we living our life to the glory of God? Are we doing all that we do to the glory of God? As Joseph read for us, as we began our thoughts to see it this morning, are we doing all things, whatever you do, are you doing it to the glory of God? You can't do that. You can't do that instruction if you're living in sin. If you're doing what God said not to do, you can't do it to the glory of God. Can you imagine that? The person who goes out and robs a bank is, oh, I'm doing all that I do to the glory of God. Now, that's, that's foolish. It's just as foolish when I have a bad attitude or I don't act lovingly or don't submit to God and say, I'm doing this to the glory of God. No, you're not. If you're here this morning and you're not living like you should, now's the time to correct that so you won't waste another minute of your life and you can begin bringing glory to God right now. If we can help you, will you let us know while we stand and while we sing?